How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm Welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to episode 9. That's right, we've made it to episode 9 of the Euro Trip, your brand new Eurovision podcast. We'll be here, as we always are, every week to bring you all the latest news, some fun games, and big guests from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. My name is James Rowe, and joining me as ever, it is the one and only Mr. Rob Lilly. Hiya, Rob. Hello, James. Yeah, not just me this week. This week, the Eurotrip podcast brought to you by James Rowe, Rob Lilly, and Mr. Mouse. Uh, there is a mouse in my kitchen who I stumbled across earlier on this afternoon. Don't know how to get rid of him. If any of you have got any tips, please do get in touch. But uh, yeah, any advice you've got. Um, I don't know what the mouse's Eurovision knowledge is like. I might see if he fancies helping me out with the European quiz a little bit later on. And uh, yeah, we've got the European quiz, of course, haven't we? We've got the one second song which is my opportunity to get my own back this week, given the absolute mess that was my guest last week. And then, James, you are responsible for this week's big interview. I certainly am. I'm really looking forward to uh, the One Second Song this week after the absolute carnage that was last week. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to episode eight of the Eurotrip podcast. But that's right, we've got a big guest as well. This week, we will be joined by Philip Vella. He is a six-time songwriter from the Eurovision Song Contest, and he always loves it when his songs are performed on the Eurovision stage. It's a it's a big satisfaction, and uh, whenever it succeeds, and obviously I, I also like um, that to have a good Eurovision song, many people have to like it. 
And uh, although I've written many songs, as you said, and, and I was successful many times, it's still a mystery to me why a song is successful and why a song which I which I think, for example, it's such a good song, it isn't successful at all and people don't attach to it. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Eurovision, we've got it covered. So that's right. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Euro Trip. As you heard, there plenty still to come. We've got the big interview, the European quiz on the way shortly. But James, as ever, we like to start the podcast with a little bit of news from the world of Eurovision. And safe to say, do you think there's going to be plenty to talk about this week? I think there is. Uh, you remember Nathan last week managed to fill the whole 85 seconds rather than the 90 seconds. So this week we've uh, we've put him on the subs bench. We've brought somebody new in. I say somebody new. He's been here before, many many weeks ago. It's Richard Taylor from Eurovision Ireland. How are you doing, Richard? I'm very well. How are you guys? Really well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, as uh, Rob says, it seems like it may be a busy week, not for Eurovision itself, but potentially for Junior Eurovision. There is a lot of news to come on that front. There is a lot of announcements. Yes. Um, I'm, this is. I like this time of year. I know we'll get to it and we'll talk about this in a sec after we've had the news announced, but I do like this time of year because you're so obsessively, as a fan, as we all are, thinking about Eurovision for 10 months of the year. It is quite nice just to have a little bit of a, a Eurovision holiday as such. I don't know if you agree, Richard? I do agree. And it's actually because before Junior came along, there used to be that period of time where there was nothing happening. So those obsessive fans like us and many others in the community had nothing to talk about. And now it seems to be a year round thing with Julia. So, and it sort of starts after the adult contest finishes. And some people think we're absolutely mental, but uh, but we like what we do anyway, don't we? Uh, right now, James, who's on timekeeping duties this week? I'll put that in your capable hand, Rob. Okay, so Richard, you have 90 seconds while I get my uh, just while I get my timer up on my phone are you ready are you confident because you managed to fill and more than 90 seconds last time you're on so you're confident yes I am thank you okay right well your time starts in three two one and go so this weekend saw five um, participants um, announced for junior Eurovision so on Friday, Russia chose Sofia Feskova with My New Day. And the Serbian broadcaster RTS internally selected Petar Anasic with Heartbeat. Now, Heartbeat is the one song that was selected this weekend which hasn't been publicly released yet. On Saturday, Kazakhstan chose Karakat Bashanova with Forever. And the Netherlands also chose Unity with Best Friends. And then finally on Sunday, Poland chose Alicia Tracks with I'll Be Standing. Also on Saturday, Germany released the revamp of Stronger Review, which Susan will be singing in Warsaw. And the Netherlands declared their participation at the 2021 Junior Eurovision, which means they're the first country to announce that. In terms of Junior news, we're still waiting for announcements from Armenia, Belarus, France. Molten Spain have just got to announce their songs and George have an ongoing national selection. Over in the world of Eurovision, San Remo will have a socially distanced audience. While Italy hasn't confirmed as their national final yet, it is the only national final for 2021 to confirm an audience. And there, Richard, with 10 seconds remaining, 
your time is uh, your time in terms of what you've got to deliver us this week is, is up, and you've managed to uh, you've managed to beat Nathan because, as James said earlier on, Nathan gave us eighty the news in eighty five seconds. You've given us the news in eighty. Well, what can I say? <laughs> but what you did tell us, uh, and James, I think you agree, big weekend in the world of Junior Eurovision selections, and it, it was almost like a, a Super Saturday for Junior Eurovision that's just gone. It really was, wasn't it? I mean, there's not many of them taking part this year, just the 13. Uh, and I think we've had, what is it, six songs to listen to so far. So we're pretty much halfway through. So plenty to listen to for us fans. Uh, let's throw it open to both of you so far. Have, I, don't, I appreciate this is a difficult question to ask, but have we heard a winner just yet? I don't think we have, and there's a reason why behind it. Some of the performances I've seen, it's either been like official videos national final performances or the song over like a still image so until we actually see them all in the same sort of format it's hard to predict a winner in my opinion that's the thing it's this year's difficult as well isn't it because obviously as we now know all of the the artists are going to be performing in their own countries so a lot depends on what the national broadcasters are going to be able to do in terms of visually how will they look in studios in their own country uh, i'm going to read you through my two-word reviews for the six songs we've been able to hear properly. I'm not going to tell you what the, song, what the countries are, because I don't think that's fair. Song one, Cheesy Ballad. Song two, uh, Better Since Revamp, which I've beaten my two-word two review uh, rule already. Uh, another one, Steadily Worse. Another one, Mature Sounding. Uh, another one, Like Late Noughties. And another one, Cheesy But Fun. I don't know if you can even try and match what any of those would be. Cheesy but fun. Which one do you think that one is? I think that's the Netherlands. You're exactly right. James, don't know what you think about the Netherlands, but I'm all about that song. Okay, I have wrote some notes as well. I, I disregarded the two-word rule as well. My notes for the Netherlands were um, Melfest non-qualifier, weak vocals, but fun. Oh, like the Simon Cowell of Junior Eurovision you are. <laughs> is that brutal? I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about the Netherlands? Is that one up, up there for you there, Richard? Um, there's three up there for me. Um, the Netherlands is one. Germany is the other one since the revamp, because before the revamp, I didn't write it. And the other one was Russia. So over on the uh, Eurotrip Twitter, I put out what was uh, people's favourite song from the weekend just gone. And by a long way, uh, the Netherlands has has got it by a very very long way 77 percent said the netherlands and then eight percent each for kazakhstan poland and russia it's interesting with poland isn't it do you reckon they've got a bit of island syndrome from the late 90s where they really 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 don't want to win because it's going to cost them too much money to host it three times in a row we were talking about this between the website team the other day, actually, and John, our editor-in-chief, reckons that Junior could be done the same way next year as it's been done this year. But I thought it m might just be the case of we have to wait and see what scenario they pick for Eurovision, and it might be that scenario they use for Junior as well. But there is a chance it could happen again this way because the amount of money delegations will save at the same time. Uh, so stay with us. Stay with Eurovision Ireland, of course, as well, for all of the latest coverage of the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. We've got a lot planned coming up uh, in November here on the podcast itself as well. But James, you now need to disappear because it's time for me to play Richard the One Second Song. He's waving. He's waving. You, you not <laughs> going to say anything? Uh, nah. Nah, I'll just wave. All right. Well, wave we'll, back. We'll hear from you again later.
Now, Richard, you and the listeners at home have heard this week's One Second Song there for the first time. It's not often that the One Second Song starts with a vocal either. How are you feeling? Have you got any idea, do you think? No. <gasps> I'm I not going to live up with four points or I know that. I've beaten, maybe. Richard Taylor, the man that calls himself, he doesn't call himself, I call him, the One Second Song King. Wow, okay. So you're, how many points do you think, if you were going to guess, how many points do you think you might be able to get? I could randomly guess a country at this moment in time, but I'm not confident at all. Wow. So just a reminder, it's a point for the country, a point for the year, point for the artist, point for the song. And Richard, we will find out how you got on. Uh, later on in the episode because you're going to submit your guest to me so that James can't see it and just before we let you go where can people find your stuff uh www.eurovisionisland.net and of course we're on the many social media sites facebook twitter and so forth this is the euro trip so that's right, you are listening to the Euroclip podcast. But before we go any further, it is high time to check in, not just with Mr. Rob Lilly, but with Mr. Mouse. Mr. Mouse, are you there? <laughs> do you think, do you think that gets away as being a mouse impression? Is that believable, do we think? Oh dear, I didn't even know it was an impression. I thought that was Mr. Mouse. It was such a good impression. Oh, what a relief. Uh, unfortunately, James, he's not popped up to, to help me out. I, I said to him earlier, we, we were doing the European quiz, he said, which I took as I'm interested in getting involved he's not here so unfortunately it's just me for this one but uh, again as I said at the start if anyone's got any advice for how to get rid of a mouse do let me know at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter which is exactly what that social media account should be used for well I tell you what let's head over to Sam and find out which country it is and if it's a good one you let Mr Mouse know and he might be able to come and uh, come and help you out sounds like a deal 1st of October marks the Independence Day of Cyprus. So here are three questions about the tiny island. James, I don't want to ruin the quiz already, but still no sign of Mr. Mouse. He's heard that we're doing Cyprus and he's not fussed. And maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't, I mean, I don't know, maybe he's got something against the Cypriot mice. Maybe he does, maybe he's just never been there, so isn't very clued up on Cyprus. However, let's think back to all the other countries who have been to so far, Switzerland, uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan. I've never been to any of them. This is the first time that I've been to one of the countries we are about to be quizzed on. So, uh, shall I say I'm hopeful for three points, or is that just going to ruin the outcome of what's about to happen over the next 10 minutes? I feel like you've just cursed yourself. I feel like you probably shouldn't have said that. You'll be pleased to hear that I have not been to Cyprus, so you do have an advantage. Well, I'm going to take that as a positive, and let's, uh, let's head back to Sam and find out what question number one is. German born, Greek living, American singing artist Sandro was set to represent Cyprus at this year's Eurovision Song Contest before it was cancelled. What is his real name? I'd quite like to be called Sandro, I reckon. I reckon Sandro Lily would be alright. Makes me sound a little bit, uh, little bit exotic, a little bit continental, a little bit more exciting than just bog standard Rob, don't you think? Yeah, I feel like this podcast would be spiced up with a little bit of Sandro Lily, wouldn't it? It would be better than uh, than Rob. The Euro trip with Sandro and James, I'd listen to that. It sounds good, doesn't it? Um, although, talking about changing your name to Sandro, this is clearly what Sandro has done. So you must have had a pretty boring name to have changed it to Sandro. And I must be careful with what I'm about to say, because if there are any listeners with the name that I'm going to suggest, I'm not trying to say that your name is boring. 
but you could spice up your life a little bit by changing it to Sandro. Uh, so my guess is, I can't really say this, can I? There's no way he was called Keith. I really, really hope he was. I mean, Keith is the name of one of my uncles, so if he was named after any of my other uncles, he could also be called Trevor, which I don't think is, is that a popular a name in either Germany, America or Greece. Uh, what else could he be called? Colin. I'd quite like him to be called Colin. I'm going to go off the fact that he was born in Germany, and I'm going to say that Sandro's real name is Klaus. Keith or Klaus, place your bets. It's quite an easy one when you think about it. His real name is Alessandro. Now, I was hoping for something far more exciting than that. I'm, I can't be the only one uh, in that, considering that I said Klaus, you said Keith, which actually I think probably in translation are in fact the same answer. <laughs> probably are. Sam needs to calm himself down as well, doesn't he? With all this, it's easy when you think about it. Well, you know, we did think about it and I, I don't think it was easy. It's easy when you've got the answers in front of you, Sam. That's when it's easy, but that was very much not easy. And you know what? I'm all right with having no points after that first question. I mean, that was a stupid one. Come back with a better question next time, Sam. Like much of Europe, Cyprus was part of the Roman Empire under Julius Caesar. In relation to the island, what did Roman general Mark Antony gift to the Queen of Egypt, Cleopatra? Right, before we go any further, I can't believe that a Roman general had the name Mark Antony. Surely he was called something like Marcus Antonius or something like that, rather. Well, he's more likely to be called Sandro, given the first question. I mean, <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Who'd have thought it? Mark Antony sounds like he's like, you know, your, your mate who's... He's like your mate's dad. That's what Mark Antony sounds like. Or Mark Antony, in fact, sounds like a, a boy band singer. It does. It sounds like somebody who tried to represent the UK in 2003 in the national selection or something like that, doesn't he? <laughs> and more unfortunately beaten by Gemini. Yes, it does. That's exactly <laughs> what Mark Antony sounds like. Oh, his he... song must have been bad if he's beaten by Gemini. Do you think that Roman general Mark Antony ever thought that he would be talked about on a podcast in about 2,000 years in the future where we compared him to a Eurovision contestant? He probably didn't, did he? That's what he used to do when he, uh, when he, when he saw the genie pop out of the bottle. His first wish was... I hope in 2,000 years' time, I get mentioned on a Eurovision podcast. <laughs> well, Mark, if you're listening, it's finally happened, mate. It's finally happened. As you can probably tell, we're just talking absolute nonsense because we've got no idea. <laughs> this could be absolutely anything. I'm going to say, because it's Cyprus, it's an island and it's entirely surrounded by the sea, that Mark Antony gifted Cleopatra... A lovely boat. I've now got to come up with uh, a comparable answer, at least uh, one that sounds plausible. Uh, I'm going to go a bit off the wall, but you never know. It could be right. I'm going to say he gifted Cleopatra the name of a city. For a total of 16 years, Cyprus was under Egyptian rule as it was given as a gift the whole island from Mark Antony to Cleopatra. So after tricking us with Sandro Alessandro, which, yes, you're right, is easy if you think about it, but so easy that we didn't think it could possibly be the answer. Sam's then come at us with an answer to question two, which is a trick question, because the whole island, neither me nor you were ever going to say that, were we? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to distance myself from your comments there, just because I feel like I should be given half a point, because my answer was a, a hell of a lot closer than yours. 
I'm not. That is not a half a point. That is. No. I I mentioned the sea that surrounds Cyprus in my answer. So does that mean I get half a point too? Um, I've not got to come back for that. So we'll move swiftly on to question number three and the tiebreak question to find out who wins this week's European quiz. Cyprus is the only foreign country to host which British event? It's not the Great British Bake Off, is it? I mean, that would be fantastic. Get a bit sweaty in the tent, wouldn't it? That would play havoc with the bakers. Couldn't oh, you have baked Alaska in those conditions? Yeah, blimey, sweaty in the tent. It's nearly your first album. Um, let me have a think. I've got no idea. Just like the other two questions, I'm just going to have to come up with something that sounds ridiculous and probably has no probability of being the correct answer. So I'm going to say the only event that takes place in Cyprus is the British Indoor Pool Vaulting Championships. An indoor pole vaulting championships actually sounds quite dangerous, depending on on the height of the roof, doesn't it? Uh, you know, you know Cyprus as well as I do. Tall roofs. <laughs> I thought the I thought the answer to what you said there was not very well. Um, I I'm going to try and give some sort of an educated guess because I know that there is a military base on Cyprus, and for that reason, actually, I mean the, these two things don't sound like they're connected at all. For that reason. I'm going to say that Cyprus once hosted the Royal Variety Performance. Cyprus is the only country other than Britain to have hosted a British royal wedding. King Richard back in 1191. So we're saying a royal wedding is a specifically British event now, are we? Uh, well, I can tell you from my inside sources uh, that Sam was writing these questions, but an hour before we were recording, uh, as he'd forgotten to do them. So I feel like we should we should let him off a little bit for coming up with uh, with some three very tenuous questions. To be fair, if I was King Richard, I mean, I don't know what the food scene was like in Cyprus in the 1100s. Again, not sure if that's even how you say that century. I reckon that'd be a pretty fancy do, a wedding in Cyprus. Be a little warm, but I'd be up for that. It would be, wouldn't it? And uh, as we learned just earlier on, those big high ceilings, you would have a massive top hat as well to get away with. As our passing words on the European quiz this week, uh, let it be said that I hope that the quiz this week does not lead to some sort of international dispute, given the two countries that we had on the last two episodes of the European quiz, being Azerbaijan and Armenia, and what's going on right now. But uh, fingers crossed that uh, the good people of Cyprus have a slightly more peaceful time as a result of this podcast. <laughs> This is the Euro Trip. So that's right, this is episode 9 of the Euro Trip, which I still can't quite believe, almost on episode 10. And next week, being episode 10, at this time on the podcast, we will be bringing you a Eurovision winner. Now, we gave them a clue last week, which was, James, want to remind us of the clue we had last week? Uh, the country that this person performed for has only won the contest on one occasion bit of a tease isn't it that one i i think that's a good good enough clue I, they're not getting another one this week but that eurovision winner will join us on this very podcast at this time next week but first james you have the responsibility for talking to this week's big guest yeah that's right we've had loads of big guests so far on the previous editions of the podcast we've spoken to backing singers we've talked to uh, Eurovision performers, we've spoken to um, artistic directors and vocal coaches such as Alex Panay, we've spoken to loads of people. Uh, this time we're going to speak to somebody who is most 
notable for being a songwriter. The man is called Philip Vella, and on six occasions, he has written the song for Cyprus. He's done it in uh, 2000, he's done it in 2002, 2004, 2007, 2008, and most recently in 2017. But I started off by asking him how he first got involved in the Eurovision Song Contest way back in 1997. I was involved in the arrangement of the original arrangement of the song. Let Me Fly, sung by, by Debbie Sherry. And I was the guitarist on the song as well. I played the guitar. So obviously at that time, it was still at Eurovision the, with a live band at that time. So I was chosen to be the guitarist behind Debbie Sherry in that song. Your journey continued though after 1997, not on stage necessarily, but more as a songwriter. Is it six times you've, you've written times. a Eurovision song for Malta? Yeah. How on earth do you have such a record? I don't know. I mean, I work hard at it. Um, all of them are with Gerard James Borch, who is also a, a, a big uh, Eurovision enthusiast. Um, uh, and uh, we're all the time, um, uh, how do you say, discussing what, what, what could work, what should work. Obviously, keep in mind, keeping in mind what artists we have in Malta, trying to fit us a good song for the right singer in Malta. And uh, we were lucky enough to succeed quite a few times. And I mean, besides the six times I won, there were many times which we came second. And I consider them, some of them, better songs than the ones which I, we actually won with. You mentioned there the six times you've won, of course, referring to the Maltese national selection. But of course, you've been a runner-up, you mentioned, and you've taken part so many times as well. You must just have a love of writing songs for the contest. Yeah, 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 I do. I do. Um... um it's a it's a big satisfaction, and uh, whenever it succeeds, and obviously I I also like um, that to have a good Eurovision song. Many people have to like it, and uh, although I've written many songs, as you said, and and I was successful many times, it was still a mystery to me why a song is successful and why a song which I which I think, for example, it's such a good song, it isn't successful at all, and people don't attach to it. So even that, that is for me a fascinating thing to, to, to take part in, in this festival. Your first time at the contest was, of course, back in 1997. You were on stage as a backing performer that year, but then you've been six times since then. What has been one of the biggest and most exciting changes you've seen at the contest in those 20-plus years? Actually, I don't see that much change. To, be, to tell you the truth, I don't see that much change. I mean, obviously, in 1997, the standard, um, I mean, was the, the, the standard for that time, if you know what I mean. I mean, that was the, the for that time, that was the style. But you still had to have a good song. You still had to compete with 22 other nations, you know. So it, you still had to do your, the best effort ever. I mean, now we're still competing with 22 other songs, or maybe 40, because there's the semi-final. Um, what I find different now is I think that uh, you have more chance of making it after the Eurovision now than it was at that time. That is a big difference because now um, the social media plays a big part. Um, I think many more people see Eurovision than what they did at that time, um, 20 years ago. Um, so I think, uh, Many companies, many record companies, are seeing the Eurovision as a good step forward if, you, if they have an artist and if they have a new song to launch the song. So that has changed, yes. But I don't think it has changed as a festival as such. You still have to do good. Still the best song wins, you know? Now, we've chatted to a lot of artists here on the Eurotrip podcast about 
what it's like to be an artist at the contest. You know, there's so many rehearsals and so many press interviews, but when you're there as a songwriter, what do you get up to? Because it's a, it's a long journey, isn't it? You're there for a good two weeks. What do you get up to when the rehearsals are going on? No, no, I, I mean, that's, the, the first thing I said was 1997 when I, was a, when I was a guitarist, that was my best Eurovision. Why? Is because you don't have that much on your mind. I mean, that much pressure, what you have to do, what, what's happening. There, it was easier for me because all I had to do was just play the guitar and nothing else. I mean, when you're a composer, there are, you know, many things, what, what's happening in, in rehearsals, what can we improve? Um, if things are not going well, what can we do, you know? Um, so quite a lot more on the on the mind when you're a composer than uh, when I was just a guitarist. Now you mentioned earlier on that you're constantly writing songs and you're looking for the best artist in Malta to try and perform that song. We know obviously uh, next year we're going to have Destiny for Malta again. Yeah. If there's any yeah. chance that the, the Maltese broadcaster opens up to a national selection again, do you have any plans in getting involved again? Have you got any eyes on any other performers yeah, you'd always- like to work with? No, if, if I have a chance of writing a song, I'm always, I'm always up to it. I mean, nowadays, uh, I'm, I, I concentrate more in, in things that would actually, actually work than just experimenting today. I mean, so I, I'm more concentrating on to which artists I write and what the type of songs I write than, than before. So yes, if there's a chance, why not? Now then, I believe you've got some some new projects lined up as well. Am I right in saying that you've, you're working on an album that's in the pipeline? Yeah, I have a new album, but of Maltese songs. And uh, I released about four CDs in the past, but they were all songs which I took part in Maltese Festival of Maltese Songs with. And they were just like compilations. Now I did an album, and it's the first time in my life, where I did an album which is a very personal album with songs and style of songs which I really like and what I have to say uh, I transmitted it into the songs which I included into into the album it's a very as I said it's a very personal album now let me ask you a question we always like to ask our guests here on the Eurotrip podcast not what their favorite Eurovision song is of all time because that seems like too much of an easy question so we like to just change it up a little bit and ask what is your second favorite Eurovision song of all time your number two there are quite a few uh, a good song is the song which I'd, I'd love to have written. Obviously, the best song, which I, I mean, I'd love to have written is definitely Euphoria, because that was the perfect combination of the song, which was good for Eurovision and good for everywhere else. And I think one one of the few songs that made it in Eurovision and was a such a big hit everywhere else. Obviously, I mean, for me, that is the perfect example of a song I wish I could have written. Hit the Euphoria klaxon, Rob, because for the second time, Euphoria has been chosen as somebody's second favourite Eurovision song. Do you think that is actually just his favourite Eurovision song and he couldn't be bothered to come up with a second one? It could be. It could be the fact that, you know, when people try and be a little bit hipster and they don't want to say that Euphoria is their favourite, they want to be a little bit different. So that's why he's put it as his second favourite song. Well, I'll give away a little secret. Uh, it should come to no surprise that these interviews are edited a little bit just to, uh, just to make it sound a bit more pleasing. And uh, if, uh, if you ask kindly enough, I may release the, the, the long edit of both me and Philip Bella desperately trying to figure out the, his actual favourite Eurovision song of all time because he told me that it was an Italian man playing the piano and we couldn't figure out what it was. So based on just that information, can you try and figure out what his favorite Eurovision song is of all time? Was it Italy 2011? It wasn't, that was my guess. And then it took us 
a hell of a long time to try and realise that it was actually Marco Mengoni in 2013 with L'Essenziale. I was going to say, an Italian playing a piano does not um, does not narrow it down much, does it? <laughs> no, it, uh, it, was a, it was a very awkward and, and long uh, exchange between the two of us, and I have saved you that and saved my embarrassment. Well, since we're now on to this um, tenuous part of the conversation following this interview and, and another little behind the scenes, uh, when I asked uh, Dia Norberg, famous backing singer from Sweden, what her second favourite Eurovision song was, she got very confused and thought that I only wanted Runners Up from Eurovision. And the song Hatch, we've also finished second at Eurovision, uh, which led to a, a very confused conversation. But we, uh, as you will have heard in the in the Dia Norberg podcast, we got there in the end. We certainly did. Um, I think we've sidetracked a little bit there, perhaps to try and save my upcoming embarrassment uh, of the one second song. Uh, if you weren't listening last week, uh, this is exactly what happened to Rob when he tried to guess the one second song. Well. We have now. No, we're not. We're doing love. No, no, it's the wrong song. No. Uh, oh, oh no, well. No. I'm sorry. As no. they say in every no. quiz, it's this no, no. it. No. No, what we're doing. So hopefully, I will have a bit more of a chance to do well this week. I think one thing that has been lost in the mess and carnage that was last week is that I did still manage to get a point, which was still my first point in the one second song that we've seen so far. You got four points the previous week because your brother gave you a really easy song, <laughs> which doesn't really count. So that's a hollow victory in itself. So this is your chance to prove yourself. Richard has already had a guess. He's already heard the one second song, as have the listeners at home. Richard Taylor, of course, who did the uh, News in 90 for us a little bit earlier on. But James, for you, here is this week's one second song. I mean, come on. That wasn't even a second, was it? I can tell you that actually, James, if I'm looking at the uh, the waveform in front of me, that's 1.1. So you could say that I've been a little bit lenient to you. Now, I know we don't often start the one second song with uh, a song that begins immediately with a vocal, but we have this week, and therefore I think this week actually... I don't want to say it's quite easy, but I think I've been uh, I've been a little bit lenient on you this week. Tell you what, let's have another listen, mainly for my benefit. But yeah, let's have another listen. I think I can rule out the English language, which perhaps narrows it down to still around a thousand songs or something like that. So that's not really going to help. And actually, to save my blushes and to. Uh, to make sure everybody remembers what happened last week. I'm not going to be confident, and I'm just going to say, I don't know the answer, and I'm just going to pick a country, yeah, and then, I don't know, maybe we're going to make up a name and a song title as well. Wouldn't that be funny? It doesn't sound like a song I know, so I'm going to go pre-2010, pre-2005, perhaps. I think you'll be upset at yourself for saying that this is a song that you don't think you know. Uh-oh. It's Right, okay, it's not a winner. It's certainly not a winner, is it? You're not giving much away here, Rob. I'm going to say... Croatia. 2003. Please make up a, uh, an artist and a song title for, uh, for our benefit at home. I know it wasn't in the English language, but I'm going to guess an English language uh, title because I don't know <laughs> any Croatian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insert pause here while James tries to think of a potential name for a song. Now, don't forget, listeners, he could literally put any words in the English language in any order, but he seems to be struggling to do that. 
I'm going to say the song is called Touch Me Gently. <laughs> Which they often like to say in Croatia of a night. So yes, go on. And the artist was the world-renowned five-piece girl group, the one-time onlys. Now you're going to look very clever when the one-time onlys appear at Eurovision 2021 representing the United Kingdom, aren't you? How many points do you think you've got? Oh, I've, I've probably got nothing, have I? Zero points, is it? I can tell you, James, that you, that you haven't got zero points. What? Was it the one-time onlys? It was the <laughs> That is not a point that you got. Uh, you'll be unsurprised to hear. You did not get the artist or song title, or indeed the country, but you did get the year. So I'm quite happy with that. It is 2003. Uh, I was taking inspiration from last week's big interview, which of course came from Mickey Joe Hart, who sang that year for Ireland with We've Got the World. It wasn't that song, but it was one of the most iconic, and you could say one of the most controversial songs from 2003. This week's One Second Song, as you will hear in just a second, came from Russia, it came from Tattoo, and the song, which I'm not going to give in its actual language because I will pronounce it terribly wrong, but in English translates as, don't believe, don't fear, don't ask. Uh, just to jog my memory there, I just quickly looked up uh, the performance of that, and I don't know if you remember this, Rob, but uh, the keyboard player seemed to be having the time of his life on stage there. I don't think I remember the keyboard player. The keyboard player did not get the press that uh, maybe they deserved in 2003. That song, though, uh, as you don't remember because you were a fetus in 2003, but it caused quite the kerfuffle back in 2003. There was an on-screen kiss, there were countries saying that they wouldn't show the performance, and there was fears that uh, at least one of the uh, one of the two performers on stage there wasn't, wasn't going to turn up on the grand final. In fact, uh, Sir Terry Wogan, in the BBC's commentary, I'm going to do a terrible impression, sorry everybody from Ireland, said, oh, oh, well, oh, thankfully one of the, thankfully they've both turned up there. Oh, who was that? Terry Wogan? Was, is, is Terry Wogan famously from Newcastle now, is he? <laughs> he, he is, indeed. Uh, also, just before we leave it uh, this week, just wanted to, to give you a, a ridiculous stat from 2003, which you may or may not know. The, the top three countries that year were separated by only four points. Well, there you go. As ever, Rob steals the show with another ridiculous stat from the Eurovision Song Contest. And it's probably best we leave it there so thanks very much for listening to this week's episode don't forget next week the big guest is a eurovision winner you do not want to miss that one so come on everybody make sure you subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode so as james said that unfortunately it is time for this week's podcast to come to an end but plenty to look forward to next week so make sure you leave us a review subscribe and also rate us five star but from me, goodbye. And from me, goodbye. And from Mr. Mouse. <laughs> How would you? 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.